Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, December 3rd. In today's news, Duncan Hunter takes a plea deal. A Fox News talking head just landed a $400 million contract to help build the wall despite Pentagon objections. And President Trump burns Brazil's leader again. But first, the big idea. Attorney General Bill Barr has told associates that he disagrees with the Justice Department's inspector general on one of the key findings in an upcoming report about the FBI's Russia investigation. Barr disagrees that the FBI had enough information in July 2016 to justify launching an investigation into members of the Trump campaign. The Justice Department's inspector general, Michael Horowitz, is due to release his long-awaited findings early next week. But behind the scenes at the Justice Department, disagreement has surfaced about one of Horowitz's central conclusions on the origins of the probe. The Inspector General report, currently in draft form, is being finalized after input from various witnesses and offices that were scrutinized. Barr, or a senior Justice Department official, could submit a formal letter as part of that process, which would then be included in the final report. Barr's public defenses of Trump, including his assertion that intelligence agents spied on the Trump campaign, have led Democrats to accuse him of acting more like the president's personal attorney than the nation's chief law enforcement officer. The Russia investigation was opened after the FBI was told of statements made by Trump's top foreign policy advisor at that time, George Papadopoulos, that the Russians possessed hacked Hillary Clinton emails. Those alleged comments were key because they were made well before any public allegation that Russian intelligence operatives had hacked the Democratic National Committee or Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta. People familiar with the draft language of Horowitz's report say that while it's critical of some FBI employees and found some systemic problems in surveillance procedures, it overall does not agree with Trump's charge that the investigation was a witch hunt or a politically motivated attack on him first as a candidate and then as president. Instead, the draft report says the investigation was opened on solid legal and factual footings. The inspector general operates independently of Justice Department leadership, that's the point. They're supposed to be an independent watchdog. So Barr is not allowed to order Horowitz to change his findings. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, House Republicans last night released a 123-page report that says Trump did nothing wrong vis-a-vis Ukraine. They say Trump acted out of genuine concern about corruption and wariness about foreign aid. Their report is a preemptive rebuttal to the Democratic report that's due to be released tonight that lays out evidence for impeachment. Up in New York, meanwhile, federal prosecutors told a judge yesterday afternoon that they're likely to bring additional charges soon against Rudy Giuliani's Soviet-born associates, Igor Fruman and Lev Parnas. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York and FBI investigators are making their way through a voluminous amount of evidence in the case, around nine gigabytes worth of electronic material, phone records, bank records, and more. And remember the IRS whistleblower, who raised concerns about political interference in the audit of the president? Well, he's declining to voluntarily appear for a deposition with the Senate Finance Committee. There are suggestions that it's because he was threatened with retaliation by his superiors. After raising concerns over the summer, 
The whistleblower met in November with staffers, Republicans and Democrats, on that committee, but he's declined an invitation to appear for a follow-up. The whistleblower declined the interview after an official at the Treasury Department informed him that he could be fired, fined, or even jailed for disclosing information about a taxpayer. It's unclear what next step the committee will take. One option would be to issue a subpoena. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Congressman Duncan Hunter, the Republican from California, plans to plead guilty today to misusing campaign funds. He told a San Diego TV affiliate yesterday that he wants to avoid a public trial to spare his three kids from learning more embarrassing details about his personal misconduct. In July, federal prosecutors alleged in detail that the congressman used campaign donations to finance extramarital affairs, including lavish trips, dinners, and expensive drinks, with at least five different women, including three lobbyists, a woman who worked for him in his congressional office, and another young woman who worked for a member of House GOP leadership. Hunter told the local TV station that he, quote, did make mistakes, but that not a single dime of taxpayer money was involved in this. He said he will plead guilty to only one of four counts against him as part of the plea deal. It's unclear how much jail time he'll get or if he'll resign from his seat, although that seems like a safe bet. When he was first indicted last summer, Hunter called this a politically motivated witch hunt and said he would fight it hard at trial and looked forward to fully vindicating himself. Initially, Hunter and his wife were charged with misusing more than $250,000 in campaign funds to pay for personal expenses like family vacations, theater tickets, and school tuition. Among other things, the Hunters claimed that clothes the congressman bought for himself at a golf pro shop were actually being purchased to give to wounded warriors. Seriously. Then, in June of this year, Margaret Hunter pleaded guilty to one count of conspiring with her husband, the congressman, to spend $25,000 in campaign funds for personal use. As part of her plea deal, she flipped on her husband and agreed to testify against him at a trial that was scheduled to start next month. The plea deal, which is going to be formalized at a 1 p.m. Eastern time hearing today, means that the first two members of Congress who endorsed Trump for president in 2016 will be convicted criminals. Hunter and Chris Collins, the former Republican congressman from New York, came out for Trump on the same day in February of 2016, a week before Jeff Sessions became the first senator to endorse him. Earlier this year, Collins resigned after pleading guilty to insider trading charges. He literally committed the felony that he later confessed to while he was standing on the White House lawn at a picnic hosted by Trump. He learned about bad results in a clinical trial, so he called up his son and told him to start dumping shares in the company. These episodes underscore just how swampy Trump's Washington has become. Number two, a North Dakota company that Trump has pushed military officials to hire for border wall construction has received a $400 million contract to build a span of new barriers across an Arizona wildlife refuge. The firm, Fisher Sand and Gravel, won the mega contract to build in a national wildlife refuge in Yuma County, Arizona, with a target completion date of December 30th, 2020. Trump has repeatedly pushed for Fisher to get a wall building contract, personally pushing officials at the Army Corps of Engineers to pick the firm, even though he was told repeatedly that Fisher's bids did not meet government contracting standards. Trump's entreaties on behalf of the company had deeply alarmed some officials at the Pentagon 
who are unaccustomed to a president getting so personally involved in the intricacies of government contracting. Trump has been enamored with Tommy Fisher, the company's chief executive, who has made multiple appearances on Fox News to promote the firm and insist that he could do a better job than the firms the government had already chosen. Fisher just so happens to be a GOP donor as well. And he's worked with Trump allies, including Chris Kobach and Steve Bannon, to build border fencing on private land using private donations. Trump has pledged to complete 450 to 500 miles of new border barriers by the election next year. So far, his administration has only built about 85 miles of fencing, almost all of it in areas where tall steel bollards are replacing smaller, older structures that were already there before he took office. Number three, Trump revved up his global trade war yet again yesterday, not only announcing tariffs on metals from Brazil and Argentina, but also threatening even harsher penalties on dozens of popular French products. Let's be clear about what this really is, a tax hike on you, the consumer. The unexpected announcement violates a 2018 deal that Trump made with those two Latin American countries to accept quotas on their shipments to the U.S. instead of import taxes. Fallout from the president's renewed embrace of tariffs will cloud prospects for future or ongoing talks with countries from Asia to Europe who have even less reason now to trust that Trump will abide by any agreement they reach with him. The president's enthusiasm for tariffs is also not shared by Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who's warning that they're making corporate executives so uncertain about the outlook for the economy that companies are now canceling already planned investments, and that's slowing the economy. Typically, the U.S. provides businesses with some warning of tariff changes, delaying their effective date to allow goods in transit to arrive at American ports without being taxed. But the president tweeted that these tariffs are effective immediately. Now, this is a huge blow for Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro. He's learning the hard way what so many others have discovered before him. A good personal relationship with Trump has its limits. Bolsonaro and his country's diplomats in Washington were blindsided when Trump tweeted yesterday about these punishing new tariffs on steel and aluminum. For Bolsonaro, a far-right leader who patterned his campaign on Trump's and aggressively sought to ingratiate himself with the White House, the tariffs are an embarrassing reality check on his strategy of gambling his entire foreign policy based on having good personal chemistry with a president who craves validation. But what Bolsonaro didn't realize is that Trump also views all relationships as transactional and frankly disposable, except with members of his own family. Now, this isn't the first time that Bolsonaro has gotten humiliated by Trump since he took office earlier this year. Over and over again, Bolsonaro has been surprised and stung by Trump's slights and about faces. Trump told Bolsonaro that he would back Brazil's bid to join the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. That's a promise Bolsonaro then touted back home as a major political achievement. But then the U.S. recommendation leader letter leaked, and it showed that the Trump administration was actually supporting Romania and Argentina for membership and opposing Brazil. A few weeks later, the U.S. government refused Bolsonaro's request to lift its ban on Brazilian imports of beef over safety concerns. Again, that took his administration by surprise. And now Trump is targeting literally one of the most important industries in his country at a time when unemployment is above 10% and their economy has stalled. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, December 3rd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. 
If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry are in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. It's updated whenever news happens. You can subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. I'll talk to you tomorrow.